Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode, the fourth episode in the sitcom summer series, it's returning guest, Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, and one half of the Ramblin' and Amblin' podcast, it's Andrew Godian. Andrew very kindly agreed to come back onto the show to talk with me about a personal favourite sitcom, and that is, of course, Scrubs. Running from 2001 to 2010, during its nine seasons, it showcased the lives of a group of nurses and doctors in the hospital known as Sacred Heart. It's a show that's known for its dramatic pathos, as well as a bunch of wacky antics and crazy fantasies. And of course, we get into all of that in this discussion. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. This is Scrubs with Andrew Goat. Hello, Andy, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. It's an absolute joy to be back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, no, it's a pleasure, mate. And uh, I'm glad you've reached out to me uh, during this little sitcom summer series that I'm doing. And you've brought one of my personal favourites to the show. So I'm really, really excited to talk about this. And that is Scrubs. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just want to ask straight away, you know, when did you first see Scrubs? And why did you bring it to this series? Um, I was thinking, like, I assumed this would be a question that was going to come up. So I was trying to wrap my brain as to when the first episode uh, kind of got put in front of me. And I, I think mm. it was when, because I know it always used to be on Channel four, uh, E4 even after school. So that was probably yeah. the way I used to watch most of it. But um, I think the first time I watched it was uh, Sky used to have a ABC channel. It's a, a long defunct now. And that used to have stuff like Home Improvement and Eight Simple Rules and uh, Scrubs was one of the main shows on that as well. I think okay. it was on that that I first saw it and it would have been, I think it, I remember seeing it from the start rather than kind of diving in at a random midpoint. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it effectively beginning to end when it, <laughs> when it was, when I first discovered it. Although even saying that, I remember having to, wait for ages for the likes of uh, season season seven and season eight in particular to get to the uk i remember that being a long wait <laughs> yeah man i i you know i had a very similar experience um i think because you and i are in the same sort of age bracket and mm -hmm. yeah that was similar for me man i remember mates at school talking about this show all the time and thinking what is this and then yeah it was on e4 in the afternoons so i thought okay i'll just i'll watch a couple episodes and just fell in love with it it was yeah. just absolutely brilliant um like you said it took us ages to get the final three <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun isn't it so um so yeah why why did you bring it to this to us then to today what is it that makes this a absolute standout show for you um so particularly in the last it's always been one of the shows since i did start watching it and started buying the dvd box sets that so would always just be a good one to come back to either either it's just kind of like a comfort watch or something that you know that you you're gonna yeah. have a nice familiarity with and you can do something else whilst that plays in the background and it's quite a nice uh <laughs> a nice comforting blanket to have on at any given time and it's and it's continued to kind of play like that from 
like my early teens, like particularly uh, it, as with many of us in lockdown, I'm sure we picked up many a box set of new shows and old shows. And this was one I went back to initially because mm. of Zach Braff and Donald Faison starting the rewatch podcast, uh, Fake yeah. Doctor's, Doctor's Real Friends. <laughs> So yeah. I, I very much went into it like, yeah, cool. I'll watch it at pace with the guys as they do the podcast. But um, mm. as soon as it started, I burnt through uh, the eight seasons <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. I want to say in the space of about three weeks. <laughs> I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with these rewatch podcasts. It's the same with the um, the Office Ladies one. Like it's yeah. like you said, it's a nice idea doing an episode a week. But you're right, like, I think particularly now the kind of, you know, quote unquote binge watch culture that is around and 20 minute mm -hmm. episodes of comedies that you love. Yeah, you want, so easy you want a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I totally agree, man. And um, I, I want to say straight away, I don't know about you, I feel like this is one of those sitcoms that it has so much heart mm -hmm. and sort of darkness in it as much as it does light and, and sort of humor. Yeah, I feel like that's one reason why it's so popular because it just it hits when it wants to hit a point, a dramatic point, it really hits it home. Yeah, it's it's one of the those rare sitcom shows that um, manages to walk that tightrope between very daft and very silly, and then literally within the space of thirty seconds in the next scene, it hits you with a emotional wallop uh, within yeah. a certain story arc or with certain characters and the way it manages to kind of like shift, make that shift without ever really feeling like tonal whiplash is nuts. And that like the, the only, the only way I can kind of see why that works is that there is so much commitment to character and the writing, both within the silly moments and the emotional moments where they, they both still feel quite organically speaking towards those characters and it's like a, quite a rich cast of characters as well from both the main your main lot of uh jd and elliot and turk and carla and then getting a bit more on the periphery with dr cox and dr kelso and then there's this whole mm. bevy of uh secondary to to even background characters who end up filling up the kind of uh identity and uh uh and and kind of where the laughs and the um, more dramatic beats can come from. It's incredibly rich in terms of its characters and always always seems in service of taking them somewhere interesting and never really shortchanging them that like even within the silly moments they feel part of mm. part of the, everyone's personality. Absolutely. And and I guess it kind of makes sense as well being that it's set in a hospital and you know <laughs> I remember one episode in particular where they, they kind of took it head on a little bit and they talk about how doctors and how people sort of deal with the, just the weight and the gravity of things they have to do. And like some mm -hmm. of them would make jokes and they'd be, and I can't remember which character, one character almost starts to take issue with it. And it's like, Oh, isn't this a bit much? And they're like, no, like this is just, yeah, you've got to deal with this stuff all, all day. So like some people laugh, some people need to go cry. Some people need to do whatever to get it out of their system and it's like it's if if you're in that environment all the time you know it can't just be super serious yeah. all the time you know it has to be a bit fun and i feel like this is one of those shows that it pays close attention to the medical stuff as much as it can 
you know, like you, like you said, the behind the scenes podcast has been really enlightening because they talk about yeah. the writer's process and like they'd have people on board. And I didn't know for years that they, there's a real JD, like yeah. there's a real doctor friend. Bill Lawrence's old college roommate, I think. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I, lo- I mean, but... what a tribute from your best mate to write a whole sitcom <laughs> based on you. <laughs> we would all be right? so lucky. <laughs> I know, right? But it, it just shows you that that's how seriously they took this. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I love that, and that's something I really enjoyed about it a lot, especially like the wacky, silly fantasies and humor, because it just sort of took the edge off of something that could have been very morbid. Yeah, yeah. You know? I I think you think that like as an easy comparison, and it's something that that even Scrubs makes a joke of um, mm. in later seasons is the kind of how Grey's Anatomy is something that is the yeah. really like sincere flip side to this of what if scrubs just played it straight and yeah f- and that is exactly kind of what it plays like it would it, part of it would slightly feel because Grey's anatomy feels very almost soap opera-esque in mm. terms of the way it kind of deals with the big blows of a of emotion and big character arcs whilst as scrubs even though it's got fantasies it feels a lot more human than something yeah. like Grey's anatomy because everyone does feel like they're um acting in what is quite a believable depiction of a small uh, district hospital in, in in somewhere in America, and mm. I, I even think back to like this is one of, like one of the first shows, well, like the first thing ever that kind of taught me that health services work differently in different parts of the world, yeah, and that the yeah. American system is so built up on someone's kind of insurance and how much that mm. will hinge on whether they're actually going to get the right care or not and uh and how much a, lo- a lot of these characters are dedicated to trying to find a way to make what is inherently a absolutely mad system um work for them to best treat as many people as they can which is a big part of why throughout this whole show even if <clears throat> some of the humor might feel a bit cynical at times it like it's always has its heart in that in that right place like you were saying and i think that that medical side of it is a big part of that 100 percent, and i think i can't remember who but i'm pretty sure some medical board voted this as like the most accurate yeah tv show (laughs) medical drama which is hilarious when you think about it but (laughs) but the reason why is like yeah fantasies aside it's it's grounded in reality and like you said the the way that they have to operate um the, the social structures within the hospitals they talk about they're like yeah they've got it spot on like a lot of the observations are, are very accurate um which leads me on to some of the characters really so i want to know do you have a favorite character in scrubs because it, it is hard to pick I it is hard shows like this it's very hard to pick because i there, there are people who i find like the funniest who maybe not necessarily be my favorite um i think gunterhead dr cox is my favorite just because he mm-hmm. it's um the best john cena ginley's ever been in anything and he's a very mm. good character actor in a lot of in a lot of things from sitcoms to oliver stone movies but dr cox feels so mm. perfectly his it, like it, you really feel a kind of authorship from the actor in that role particularly because he's got such like a specific cadence and he's also responsible for both some some of the really funny parts of the show, but also some of the like crushing emotional mm. arcs of like any of the seasons. I know for most Scrubs fans, the kind of pinnacle of the season is uh, 
the ep- season three episode with Brendan Fraser. Um, oh yeah. Mm. Uh, how how are we how are we gonna are we are we gonna open with saying there's probably gonna be spoilers for Scrubs here? Oh, <laughs> do you know what? This is something I've come up with every episode. So this one will be put out in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully by now people have got the, the idea that there yeah. are spoilers. Yeah, you know, it, we're, we're talking it's be about hard these to shows. Talk about. Exactly, we're, we're going in depth on all of these shows. So you're right. Yeah, that that episode in particular, Brendan Fraser, I mean, an amazing guest performance. Yeah, but yeah, that that his sort of death and how it affects Doctor Cox. That's one of my favorite episodes because it's yeah. just it it's yeah it it's such a gut punch like mm-hmm. that last sort of two minutes. I'm just you yeah. Realize, I think what is it? Um, where JD says where he's like, where do you think we are? Yeah, so and he turns around and he's so like, like oh. and he's gone, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, and that Joshua <laughs> Raiden winter song kicks in, and it's just yeah. Uh, crushes me every time every time i watch yeah. it so i may not cry at et as rambling fans may, <laughs> may, may know but i i do cry at many an episode of scrubs <laughs> so, yeah. you do have a soul that's okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so now how come you don't have to get all dressed up? i am dressed up you see any holes in these pants no i'm glad you made it listen there's one more thing you have to do for me you can't keep me from getting drunk you have to forgive yourself for everything that went down the other day <laughs> you're so annoying yeah. okay good anyways your camera aren't you aren't you gonna take some pictures pictures of what you know crying babies covered in chocolate people singing happy birthday to my son who've never even met him before you know the, the whole routine where do you think we are Name is the splinter inside me while I Yeah, I, you have to be made of some pretty stu- tough stuff to uh to not feel yeah. it on that episode, man. Um and you're right, yeah, they, they give a lot of that stuff to, to John C. McGinley, and it makes sense. Because yeah. as you said, he's probably I think out of all of the cast, he was definitely one of the most experienced. So you probably would give him a, a good chunk of it. Yeah, the only one, only other person I can really think of was Donald Faison had done Clueless by that point and was about to do yeah. Remember the Titans, but mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor Kelso, Ken Jenkins had been in a few things. He's popped up in like kind of name any TV show from the US in the eighties and nineties, and he was probably in it at one point or another. <laughs> mm. That's but, true. That's true. But um, in terms of like. The rest of the cast, you're right. I'd say, like particularly JD, this is very much Zach Braff's first, um, first big credit, really, and his his first time having to uh, lead something, and <laughs> for it being one of his first breakout roles, that, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, big time, big time. Um, but yeah, no, Zach Braff, I think, does an excellent job. I mean, like you say, considering this is his first lead performance, and I imagine. Well, I've I've heard from hearing him talk like how terrified he was turning up on this show, and like you said, you've got like John C. McGinley opposite you, you know, screaming lines in your face as this sort of grizzled veteran doctor, and you're like, uh, you know, <laughs> supposed to make a quip or do a thing here, and it's like, <laughs> and that, very, that very scary, and that really plays quite well to the character in the first season. Like it really it really helps yeah. it for 
established bandy, <laughs> as it were. This uh, guy who's a bit yeah. wide-eyed in a deer in the headlights, as it were. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, but yeah, th- their relationship I think is is fascinating because it's it's one that's made very apparent within the first season that, like you said, he's looking for a father figure. And yeah, and I think um, Doctor Cox is this kind of almost like reluctant alpha male you know guy that's hardened by some pretty nasty experiences in his past that you never really find out fully but you get the sense it was pretty awful you know it's it's really it's kind of nice in a way because i've I've already spoken about this on a few of the episodes i've just recorded that sitcoms love to give characters good arcs and grind them in you know in sort of emotional beats and of course that's for us to invest in as the mm-hmm. audience. And I feel like he's a really good example of that, Dr. Cox, as someone who starts off very kind of, you know, grizzled and like, you know, you don't approach him for anything. And by the end of it, you realise that, you know, he has softened up and, you know, he's a dad and he, he does his best to kind of help people out, even though he still likes to go on the odd rant and, yeah. you know, push, push people. It's never from a place of being totally malicious and horrible and bullying them. It's, it's like he pushes people to get the best out of them. Dr. Cox. I'm hoping, for your sake, there's another Dr. Cox sitting right behind me. I feel stupid, but sending me to Kelso like that, well, I'm not sure exactly what you were trying to teach me. The value, and this is important, of leaving me alone. I think we both know there's a little more to it than that. No, 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 there's not. Look, I want you to go ahead and spread the word, Missy. I've had enough. The next whiny intern that comes in here looking to me for a cookie and a hug, I swear to Aisha, I'm going to hurt them. And you, you neurotic one-woman freak show, take your blah-blah to the blah-blahologist. Because if you are so stupid as to confront the chief of medicine over some quasi-offensive endearment, then you've just got to go ahead and replace the captain of your brain ship because he's drunk at the wheel. You're right. I need to learn to pick my battles. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. And he he also emerges as like one of the characters with the kind of most anxieties, really, when mm. it comes to think of it, and the most kind of self-destructive of them. I think of that there's that arc in season five where um he blames himself for the death of three patients after oh, man, um, yeah. uh organ donations gone wrong where they thought the donor died from a drug overdose, but turned out it was rabies, so everyone's now infected and that again that's a one of the best like the best crafted emotional wallops of this whole whole thing as well and and again because of how well john c mckinley mm. plays it and then as this show often does and with a lot of its kind of big arcs it lets them kind of play out for quite a few episodes like particularly that one he he's kind of drinking and rock bottom the episode after um does kind of get that pep talk mm. but it's still not fixed within the space of 20 minutes there's still a kind of uh, hesitant nature from him and an insecure insecurity to him once he's back at work in the next like two to three episodes and th- mm. the show's great at that with a lot of different arts i even think about particularly turk and carla getting married and then the whole of season four basically being a- about how really difficult a first year of marriage can be for newlyweds it 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 often, and it even makes the point of this in the episode where it does become a fixed uh, live studio audience uh, sitcom for a beat. It's never, it's never a show that is that keen with wrapping up um, problems within twenty minutes. It's, it, it gives 
complex emotions it's dues and lets them kind of unfold and sometimes they unfold in a really messy manner which just makes it all the more relatable absolutely yeah you're right a lot of the the character relationships i think in this show are yeah relatable like you said it's it's um it's it's kind of amazing how how they pull a lot of that off and i mean speaking of you kind of touched upon it already really the one of the central kind of relationships of the show uh, it's at the time of recording i just did uh friends yesterday mm-hmm. nice <laughs> and we talked <laughs> yeah we talked about obviously the ross and rachel thing is like there's you've got that will they won't they throughout and, and i've noticed this in a lot of sitcoms you have the will they won't they and then you have like the stable couple yes that are in the show and then you've got like the odd pairing maybe you know um and yeah in this case it's very much obviously um you know uh, jd and, and elliot are kind of the will they won't they and then you've got turk and carla are this sort of pretty solid like they're together pretty much from like the first episode almost yeah you know and then they grow and they become this sturdy couple but you're right it's interesting how they write them and that they they create conflict and things that are are the real so yeah i'm curious what what do you make of of uh of the carla and turk relationship throughout the show um I, there's there's a moment um where i think it's season four where they are going for a bit of a rough patch but it's also one of the moments within their kind of relationship dynamic that really makes you feel like oh they're gonna be okay because they they're, they're just really genuine and lovely with each other and it's also one of my favorite mm. donald Faison bits it's, it's when uh jd's uh with kylie and they're all being lovey-dovey and it's a games yeah. night and they're doing an arm wrestling contest <laughs> Yeah. and jd lets kylie win and he's yeah. like oh you win and then the camera pans to turk and carla and turk just slams yeah. carla's fist down he just yeah. goes do you see what you get carla do you see what you get when you mess with the warrior <laughs> carla certainly tried to be as adorable as us oh darn it you won unfortunately turk wasn't on the same wavelength And that oh, moment for man. me is just like just such a perfect like encapsulation of why their relationship works so well and so many of JDs just yeah. kind of end up in a in a, a bit of a of a wreckage at the end of them. It's just because they're, they're they're just mm. so true with each other. And that is and that is why when they do go through some tough points because that like I said there's that kind of newlywed anxiety mm. that they go through and then they have a difficult um pregnancy and Carla gets uh, postpartum depression so they do go mm. through a lot but um there's there's a strength and again an authenticity to their that the way that they're written and also in just the very natural chemistry that donald Faison and judy reyes has as the characters as well that i like makes them one of, one of the one of the best like you say the the kind of solid steadfast couple sitcom couples <laughs> Mm. absolutely man and it's it's a really sweet pairing as well because it's they're both very like you said very genuine with each other and and i feel like i feel like donna Faison as, as turk is, is definitely up there as one of my favorites because he's just so fun and just full of charisma and energy mm-hmm. but he kind of dials it up to 11 just so he can almost like get through what he needs to get through and like he, he has i think one of the, my favorite moments is 
quite early on in, I think he might even be the pilot, where, you know, it's comparing, obviously, him and JD in their first days, and, and, and Turk's all like, yeah, it's brilliant, I'm loving it. And then he kind of confesses at the end that, like, no, I'm terrified, like, I'm yeah. telling people open, this is scary. But he kind of dials up his personality to, like, <laughs> overcompensate, you know, and it's and they kind of make that joke about this, the sort of surgeons being, like, the jocks of the hospital and mm-hmm. that, and it's, it's quite a fun little line, and it works well for him. But I like it, because, like you said, because then Judy Rears, as, as Carla kind of, brings him down a bit you yeah know, and, and grounds sort of him gra- yeah grounds him and it's like okay you don't have to show off all the time you know you're with me it's fine and and they're very sweet together and and um and yeah carla's kind of like this sort of proud mother hen of the hospital mm-hmm. that you can see why he would be attracted to her and, and why they why they work so well together yeah <laughs> and then of course the other great love story of the show is uh mm-hmm. not jd and elliot it's, t- it's jd and turk <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say and then he's yeah, got a battle for his attention yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be putting in clips of all of these episodes um mm-hmm. so at time of recording the parks and rec one is going out tomorrow and it's clips galore um <laughs> all the episodes are the same um because it's just so many great moments that we talk about and yeah one of my favorites is definitely when um Turk comes back from his honeymoon and it's this like really long Turk! <laughs> like they're just they're so excited to see each other and they're just running around the hospital missing each other and it's yeah. such an obvious gag to pull but it's very funny it's so funny and it's yeah it's brilliant growl for me growl <laughs> <laughs> But that that is one of like the important relationships in this show, particularly when hundred like, percent we were growing mm. up as watching it when we were like in our young teens. It was definitely a mm. kind of a really positive positive male friendship role model to have growing yeah, up and just yeah. seeing these two two dudes just being completely and utterly open with the way that they feel about mm. each other. And yeah, it definitely encouraged me to be more emotionally open with a lot of my close friends for sure that that's it yeah and like listening to the podcast they, they talk about how they get a lot of that from the fans yeah. that people say oh you've taught me to to not be this kind of closed off you know alpha male or whatever it's like it's okay to give my friends a hug and mm-hmm. you know and be affectionate so, and be silly it's okay to wa- you know? order an apple teeny instead of a beer sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever had an no, apple teeny. It. It's not great. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I, by all counts, I hear they're terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but we digress. Um, I mean, I'll still say this. Guy Love is one of the greatest songs yeah. ever written. <laughs> Let's go! It's Guy Love. Don't compromise the feeling of some other guy. Holding up your heart into the sky I'll be there to care through all the lows I'll be there to share the highs It's guy love between two guys In fact, if we're just talking about best episodes, Mm. that whole musical episode is phenomenal yeah it's like definitely one of the top ones really funny really silly and yeah that's like, if you want to sum up their whole relationship we just listen to that song 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Just kind of laughs> <sums it up. laughs> that is, yeah, that is, again, when any kind of discussion over top episodes of Scrubs comes up, that musical one is always in, in the, in the mix. I think, <laughs> again, cause like, it's kind of like a sitcom trope, but one that, um, I always find very welcome to see whenever someone commits to doing a musical episode and they commit hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they go all out. And like, I'll say this, every song is a banger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes, every song is just like catchy and funny and and they all give it a good go, which mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of love. Um, but yeah, you're right. Their relationship is is it's really sweet as well and just fun. And like, and it, what's nice about it is they're there for each other every step of the way and i kind of love how like honest they are yeah as well with each other at different stages in their life um it's it's wonderful i remember there's that sort of later on in the season when jd becomes a dad you know and he's kind of Mm -hmm. he's angry because he's been a bit he's been lied to and he has all these feelings and and he's fully he's fully like expecting turk to back him up on how he feels about something and turk just like no you're a dad now, like, you know, yeah, I'm a dad. Like, he just he gives him a hard truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that that's what a good friend does. That's what a good friend should do. And so, like, there's lots of moments like that between them, which I think, as much as all the, the hugs and the silly nicknames they give each other, it's like, there's a, there's a genuine friendship and sweetness there. Yeah. And all, all, all in between world's most giant doctor attempts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, Another character I'd love to talk about. Um, I, I think he's he's kind of a dramatic and comedic MVP of the show. Mm. Maybe more of a dramatic one is as uh, Doctor Bob Kelso. Yeah, I love played Ken wonderfully by Ken Jenkins. <laughs> I mean, what a guy! I I was interested to hear on the sh- on the podcast so they were talking early on that he was kind of written initially as just this sort of cartoon villain. Yeah, you know, of the Which show. Which you can and feel on the pilot. I feel. Yeah, you, you definitely feel it. Yeah, and then it's like as the show goes on, they real I think they realise they had a very good dramatic actor on their hand because, as mm-hmm. you said, he's been in everything. They're like, well, he's got tons of experience. Yeah. So they they throw him a few stories, and they're really sweet. And mm-hmm. by the end of it, he just has some like cracking one liners and jokes, but he's also got a lot of a lot of heart. And it's nice they kind of humanise him, and you realise that actually he's got one of the toughest jobs. Being yeah. the, the chief of medicine in that hospital and making lots and lots of really difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. And the the pairing of him and Sam Lloyd as Ted is often like <laughs> some of the funnier, <laughs> the like kind of the, like the like the points where the comedy is at its darkest as well. With oh. The kind of relationship between Kelso and Ted, but the great the great late Sam Lloyd as well. He, he's he's I always know. he's always such incredible value in this show like so, so many of the pratfalls that he mm. does uh amazing i think about i think i think it's season three or season four when um <laughs> richard kind is suing turk and um mm. <laughs> ted's representing him and he's sweaty all in the room mm. and he's about to take the stand and read a statement and he just puts his hand on the desk and just completely <laughs> slips and knocks himself <laughs> unconscious and it's just one of the most perfect pratfalls i've ever seen on television it's so good. <laughs> like, should we wait for him like now nah, you're better off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has so many moments ted oh bless yeah. him and yeah like their relationship is weirdly antagonistic between mm-hmm. him and, and bob but 
he, I think he's just someone for Bob to take his frustrations out on. Yeah, um, and even that has a nice kind of bow at the end of it, like particularly it in Kelso's arc. There's a there's yeah. a nice sweet genuine moment between them. Yeah, he gives him a little hug and a little pat on the shoulder, and he says yeah. thanks for everything. Thanks, and it's very sincere. Yeah. yeah, but it's uh, cracks me up the um some of their interactions. Um, I'm just thinking about when he says he's going to jump off the roof, you know, and then it's like cuts to him not doing it. And then it's just Bob Kelso at the bottom, just like chicken. Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) That is dark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, One of my favorite memories from first year at uni um, uh, was uh, there was a kind of scrubs fiend night at the SU because the the blanks uh, Sam Lloyd's acapella band yeah. uh, came and played at uh, at the SU uh, so really? that, that, that was a very that was a very sweet moment particularly to also then realize the friends oh, you were wow. starting to make also all loved scrubs so that was a great moment that was a great great live gig to see because they're, they're, so cool. they're so funny as well <laughs> yeah he, he's such a talent yeah Sam Lloyd I mean is absolutely um just an amazing talent as you said sadly we lost him i think it was it last year or the yeah like, i think it was about before, like just over a year ago i want to say he's he's so good like and um yeah all the, all the music stuff it was all him so if you're watching the mm-hmm. show and you're wondering it's 100 percent that's all sam lloyd doing all the music and singing and he's so talented and i love all the the what was it the worthless peons yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you always will be a worthless peon <laughs> Sir, you know my band, the Worthless Peons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like I think the first time you meet them, they're in an elevator singing like show tunes. Yeah. And they're like singing all their departments in acapella. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be putting that in for sure. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, this is my band. We all work in different departments in the hospital. Ted, I know you told me last time that we... Legal... Accounting... Shipping and receiving... On-site property management, including pest control, nighttime security, non-arboreal gardening services, and tenant-related easements and liens. Hey, you got promoted. It's It's about time. He's been busting his hump around here for six years. It's it's such a great show, and like you said, having having those characters bounce off each other is wonderful. One of my favorite things with with Bob Kelso is um is his relationship with Enid. I kind of love how she's like <laughs> you never see or hear of his wife. Yeah, just only through him and these ever darker stories. Like every time you hear about her, it just gets worse. It's so dark. <laughs> and his gay son Barry doing often his oh, misadventures. Yeah. <laughs> joins the navy sets up the cabaret show at one point uh, it, that that whole trajectory is wild to listen to and try to build a timeline up of what happens yeah. to his son there's, it's, uh... there's, one, there's one brilliant story with like uh carla's trying to get music played i think it's by poison for, yeah uh, for a band i'll put the full clippings i'm not gonna do it justice but um kelso comes in and like tries to shut it down and he says something along the lines of like i'll tell you what i told my son is like Get a haircut, turn down the music, and stop using my razor to shave your funds over. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Future Harley here. So, two things I noticed when I was putting the edit together for this. Uh, firstly, 
Dr. Kelso's son is actually called Harrison. And second of all, the quote I was on about was from a completely different episode. It's in season three. It's called My Clean Break. And it's such a good quote. I'm just going to put it in here. It's when Dr. Kelso is basically dressing down Elliot for her new look. I've let this whole new look thing slide the last few months, but now that your colleagues are beginning to complain, I'm going to give you the same advice I give my son every morning. Lose the makeup, get a haircut, and stop using my razor to shave your fun zone. He, like you say, delivers these lines about his family, like, just with the most deadpan, straight <clears throat> face, and it's just so... It kills you. Like, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I love him so much. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Uh, speaking of other characters, I'm just looking through the cast. Mm. I'd be remiss, of course, if we don't talk about Dr. Elliot Reed. Yeah. Not only is Sarah Chalk hilarious, and as people will probably know her from a lot now of her voice acting work, mm-hmm. know, she's get, she's in more and more things these days. Um, but yeah, as, as Dr. Reed, I, I think she's wonderful because not only is she hilarious, but I'd love to get your insights in this. I feel like she's also an interesting role model for sort of female as a female doctor, really. And mm-hmm. she goes on this very interesting arc of independence from her parents and and all sorts of other things. She seems like a very well-rounded character by the end of it. Yeah. It's quite quite interesting, particularly to compare how much people change from like that pilot episode to the finale. And you could make the case yeah. that Elliot has the most pronounced growth because she starts off as this kind of um, eager-to-please, um, not kind of really caring about who... Get who who she kind of takes out to look the best amongst her amongst her peers and then it's slowly about her kind of learning a bit of humility and kind of recognizing her a lot of times where she has to recognize her privilege when she talks about the way she was mm-hmm. raised <laughs> in, in, in pretty uh cozy conditions <laughs> oh, and, yeah. uh, and and like you say she goes on this arc where she kind of cuts away the ties that bind as it were and finds out who she is a bit more there's that kind of great makeover bit in season three set to american girl that mm. that's a that's a good needle drop moment of many needle drop moments in this series and um, mm. and even from then to just kind of figuring out that 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 move in of itself isn't exactly the right one that she has to make and then it's where she that then takes her and how she kind of finds more of herself in trying new things and trying out different paths and because she she tries out a number of di- like she's tries out private practice for a while and then tries going out on her own and again not it doesn't always work so it's about that kind of reevaluating and readapting and she she has probably the most in that regard i think to come away mm. as someone who is much more sure of herself and much more um yeah, I'm much more uh, willing to accept her neuroses and let people in as well. That yeah, that mm. is quite a quite a pronounced art for her throughout the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Apologies for the dog in the background. Um, That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's making it. I don't know if I'm going to keep this rowdy. In or not, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what? That's a nice segue. Yeah, thank, thanks, Hugo. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, absolutely. Let's let's talk about um, a taxidermy dog for for a few seconds. The weirdest, <laughs> weirdest uh, piece of <laughs> information about Turk and JD's friendship is that yeah. they absolutely adore this taxidermy dog. 
that they've had <laughs> since med school. <laughs> it's so bizarre, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, there's so much stuff to it. Like, and I love that you get that arc later on where um, Carla loses him. And the janitor brings Steven. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, like, and then they end up with two dogs. And there's that great gag where, like, JD just checks both of them. Yeah. And, it, and it's cups. like, cuts both of them. And it's like, that one's rowdy. And you're like, Don't ask what? me how I know that. <laughs> Look at those standing next to each other. Two beautiful dead dogs. Now, at least you can both have one. I'm cool with keeping Steven. We've gotten to know each other quite well. How are we supposed to know who's who? That's Steven. Don't ask me how I know that. It's just brilliant. It's it's like these silly little things that you can almost yeah. I uh, you just couldn't see the show without it in a way. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, Doctor Edom and. And JD have have the kind of will they won't they threat. Yeah, so, they're the Ross Rachel dynamic. Yeah, and I feel like again talking. I was talking about friends the other day. It's one of those where you're glad that they end up together at the point that they end up together. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like it makes sense for them to take a few years to get there. Yeah, and I you love know? love love that the final season did not make the whole point of the season being about stretching out the will they won't they to like. Yes. on the finale like friends did mm. Mm. Per, per se but what they do is that they actually couple them up within like I, I think it's like the first four or five episodes of the final season and then mm. fans get to actually have that time with them where they are a happy couple that have uh, and to prove that they're getting together at the right point of time in their life which a lot of sitcoms don't don't quite grant years. <laughs> that's so true and of course we talk about the final season we're talking about the eighth season because, the eighth season uh, yes you should make that caveat that's, that, yeah that's that's uh there were only eight seasons um, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're on it i'm curious yeah. did you watch the ninth did you watch i, it? I, I did when it first came out um yeah way back when was that like 2009 2010 Something like that. Uh, yeah, 2010 I've got here. Yeah. yeah. And I watched the first two or three the other day, um, just to, out of curiosity ahead of doing this. And I, I I remember not really liking it at the time, but feeling it kind of got a bit of a groove. But particularly the first episode of season nine is rough. The kind of mm. like repilot is very, it's very awkward and a lot of very kind of, ham-fisted uh references and kind of jokes and kind of the way the certain way characters are acting it feels a bit more kind of on a novelty basis rather than actual kind of being uh organic thing and it 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 rarely made sense to me even at the time that they would go on and do that ninth season because one the ratings have been steadily dropping off for Mm. like the past four years and to the point where a lot of the seasons were at a juncture where they didn't know if they were going to be coming back for like season six or season seven or even season eight. And then they yeah. use season eight and the finale of season eight is beautiful. It's one of my favorite finales oh, to same. anything. Yeah. And so it, it, then having this kind of uh, spin-off series as they kind of more refer to it now always felt a bit odd to me because it never felt like the timing mm. was right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and again they they talk about it, and I'll be interested to see when they get to that. Obviously, it'll be yeah. a while now, but 
yeah, I felt exactly the same way, mate. It was it was very jaggy and you know it's not their fault i think that that does happen and some of the shows no and i i do think like you know, that idea would have been quite good to do about five six years later not straight yeah. away i think it would have been a better idea yeah. to now make that series and mm. but yeah, yeah i don't quite understand why they pushed ahead with that <laughs> i don't think they know either but there you go um but still yeah like you said the finale was was super emotional i thought yeah. um hit hit all the beats it needed to it did the thing that and again i'm talking about the friends episode because i just did it mm. um i guess daisy um edwards brought this out that in that episode it kind of all the characters go off and you can kind of imagine how their lives pan mm-hmm. out after that and scrubs did that very well it gives us that lovely montage at the end of yeah. like here's what could happen oh i just got and little goosebumps very... thinking about that yeah same i'm just that, like that it, makes, it gives me chills peter gabriel book of love song <laughs> yeah it's so sweet and yeah and of course uh bill lawrence the writer is the guy that takes mm-hmm. the, the the little screen down at the end and it's, it's just like the perfect little button to be like yep yeah that's it. and i i i know it's like it, it's quite like a cheesy sitcom move where they kind of like literally bring everyone back but i really love that mm. bit when they literally bring everyone oh, back it's in the hallway yeah. I mean, oh. just because at that point you're a sucker for where this series has gone and taken you and it is just very nice to see everyone and to also kind of mm. have the <laughs> question of what happened to tasty coma wife addressed by literally her <laughs> walking through and just going you never called <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's right yeah yeah and um one of my favorites oh, i'm gonna try and find him on the cast list um is it hooch per chance yes phil lewis phil lewis thank you yeah there he is yeah phil lewis um as hooch in a straight jacket going hooch is crazy it's like yeah <laughs> great great little gag at the end um so that that leads me on nicely to side characters yeah um and i have to say probably one of my absolute favorites has to be neil flynn as as a janitor yeah and i, I like that kind of <sighs> Uh, reception to that character as well where he does kind of go from this more peripheral character in season one but then just because everyone clearly responds to this incredibly funny deadpan psychotic approach that neil flynn gives it (laughs) and he's revealed to be like weirder than you ever could have imagined as the whole thing progresses as well he has some of the best like one of my favorites to date and you can watch the outtakes of it they're brilliant is where he's talking about his shorts and he talks about how his wife made them. She doesn't have so many, f- she's only got pointer and thumb pinky. <laughs> I highly uh, encourage people to go and look up the outtakes of that because it's yeah. him and Zach Braff trying to get through that. And there's just obviously like several takes where they both just end up cracking up because it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny. She just cut off a pair of scrubs and hemmed the bottom. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, the good Lord didn't bless my wife with all ten fingers. She's only got pointer and thumb pinky. Oh, goodness me. And like his taxidermy squirrel army and all that sort yeah. of weird stuff that he has going on. His <laughs> his rabbit that is both a salt shaker and pepper grinder. <laughs> <laughs> drill fork, I could drill him fork. Mostly fork. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I do uh. like, like going back to... Uh, Zap Raffs and Donald Faison's podcast, like hearing stories mm. about how it was largely Neil Flynn behind a yeah. lot of the um, improvs that were difficult yeah. to get through. 
And you can yeah. picture that. You can really picture that. <laughs> yeah, and it got to the point where the writers would just put Neil Flynn will say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even bother writing for him. He's just like, yeah, just point the camera and see what he comes out He's with. got this. <laughs> Probably one of my favourite jokes in the entire show is when, um, oh, is it when he's, JD accidentally ends up seeing him in the shower, but then feels obliged to tell him that he might have a, a mole or a growth down below and so he checks him out and after he's done checking out he says you know oh, it seems benign and he goes nine nine and a half yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stupid like adolescent joke to make but it's very funny yeah just the way he it. <laughs> or just even little uh... bits where like there's that whole episode where he's like just spends spends it slumped on the mop because <laughs> he's drunk yeah. but <laughs> what is that? Have you been... <laughs> just like have you been drinking I'm not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. There's so many. I'm going to be going through YouTube looking at all the best moments. Yeah. I'll definitely be splicing in some clips here and there for for him. But like you said, the fact that he got to improvise so much on that show, mm-hmm. um, it leads me actually to a, a point that I've talked about on a few other shows already, particularly on likes of Parks and Rec. And I know The Office have the same thing where there's this really good, it seems, collaboration between yeah. the writers and the actors, which makes sense because often you're bringing in people who are versed in comedy or versed in any... In the fact that they just seem to play well off each other and it was kind of... A, I get the impression from the like, behind-the-scenes podcast that no one was being particularly precious or demanding yeah. about the lines. It was just like, whatever's funniest, we'll put it in. Mm-hmm. I also, also think that like they kind of tell stories of how Bill Lawrence would very much let them kind of have a lot of say in the way that their characters were being formed, yeah. particularly in the latter half, the la- the later ends of it, because you have been playing these characters for like six, seven, eight years. You are going to have quite a good sense of how they would react in certain situations. And that really does come through in a lot of the like, cause, like the show does get progressively sillier. I think it's fair to say like, yeah, where, seasons one and two particularly feel a bit more kind of slightly grimier slightly edgier than um the way that the show does kind of end up being a bit more even just like the hospital's more brightly lit and it's uh, there's clearly a a little bit more money going into it but um Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's still there's still that consistency in the characters and i think a lot of that comes down to the actors just being like you say given that space to feel like they've own a part of them because like even Zach Braff said like JD isn't that really that far is kind of like an amplified version of himself and that Mm. becomes a bit more the case as the show gets further on down the line and I think a lot of the characters a lot of the actors with a lot of the characters would probably say a similar thing yeah that's it and it it makes sense if if they're getting more comfortable and they're getting more into the sort of the skin of the character so to speak Mm -hmm. You definitely want to tap into that, don't you? Yeah. And, it, and I think it's led to some of what end up being the really, really hilarious moments of the show, and you wouldn't have it any other way. You mm-hmm. know, it's just it's brilliant. Um, I've just clocked on, so I've got the cast list up here. Uh, Rob Maschio as Todd, <laughs> again another one of my absolute favourites, just for ridiculous high fives and innuendos, and just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Who now sells man. real estate in California, which I love. Yes. <laughs> Imagine yeah. buying a house in the Todd. I, know. I think people must do just so they can get a, a crisp high five. Yeah, they just <laughs> <laughs> offer accepted five. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I turn around, Dr. Kelso's riding me. I've got next. What's up? No one? Selfa. For the big dog. And that's one of those things I feel like it can make, is, has made its way a little bit into the pop culture zeitgeist. You know, I, I've known people to do that. You know, yeah. like barbecue, barbecue five or something <laughs> like that. And, and as soon as you hear that, you're like, huh? What? <laughs> Scrubs. <Someone's been> <laughs> yeah, I will say one of my best friends, our, our, our friendship was born straight off the back of our mutual love of Scrubs. So mm-hmm. like it, it does build friendships. It definitely does. It's such like a good short ad of little silly jokes. Like even just like shouting eagle at someone is enough to, <laughs> to elicit like quite a good response. It's, uh, <laughs> hundred percent yeah <laughs> oh it's so good um and there's so many others here. i mean like you said sam lloyd as ted is just wonderful um aloma wright as as nurse Roberts. yeah laverne's got some very good deadpan drops don't have to apologize said? to me but you will have to answer to jesus <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant God fearing uh, <laughs> comedy yes. from her. She has so many great lines, but she also has some like good emotional stuff. I remember I was, the episode, yeah, like before because she sadly her character dies, which is a really powerful episode. But like, even just before they have this back and forth with her and Doctor Cox, yeah, there's a really like quite mature discussion about faith and mm. um, yeah, kind of the the nature of it and why. It, why it can be important to a lot of people and the kind of ignorance that can can come from people who have a bit more mm. of a staunch view the other way and then like you say it then leads into this really really emotional episode where she's in a coma and everyone's having to say goodbye that that was an episode like that really got me on the rewatch mm. don't know what it was in the yeah, lockdown same. rewatch i don't same. remember that ever yeah. crying at it before but the moment where mm. judy like it's and it's fully Judy because Rears. of Judy Rears. Yeah. Uh, her performance where she's saying goodbye is absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. She's so it, good it, in that beat. It really, really is. Um, and yeah, she gives some great moments. And then they kind of just sneak her back in as another character. Yeah. No, I, again, <laughs> never fully, I never yeah. fully knew how I felt about that. Ne- never addressed. Yeah. Never addressed <laughs> It's great. Um, and I, I also want to talk about a little bit about Krista Miller as, as mm-hmm. Jordan, um, Bill Lawrence's wife in real life, yeah. I've since learned, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> but she's she's wonderful, I think, as a kind of foil for Dr. Cox, like just as this really strong woman who just doesn't take any of his nonsense, basically, and just calls him out. But yeah. there's a genuine love there. Yeah, that that is one of the, like, again, it's, you kind of have that, in between relationship between the kind of will they won't nays and the steadfast one and then there's this one that's kind of initially established as a will they won't nay and then just becomes a slightly uh they're they're coupled but it's a great expression of just kind of how um a love can form out of a seemingly um mutual disdain for one another and it's quite it's quite fun to see that develop from something that feels quite uh, aggressive to something that is just genuinely quite sweet as they build mm. more of a family and a connection together 
Yeah, it's it's not the most conventional. Yeah, but it, it, it's it a weird ride that, that yeah. <laughs> relationship art. I quite like the um. Was it the one where they they realize they've been married, and and then yeah. like suddenly their relationship starts to break down. And they yeah, get and perfectly fine. It's like so weird. That's the way funny. it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't question it. But there's there's lots of other great characters. I'm just scrolling through, and even some of the the cast they had on. I mean, they've had people like um, you know, Elizabeth Banks has been on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was there? I had him here. Ryan Reynolds was on the show for an episode. Yeah, he was. He's and... at the end of season two. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's a so very very good show in terms of the kind of guest appearances that they get in. We've talked a bit about the Brendan Fraser arc that kind of begins in season one and then ends in season three, and mm. and that's one of the more successful arcs of the whole series and largely because of what we've talked about how touching it is and how funny mm. brendan fraser is in w- within it as well and yeah. uh and and also one of the best uh kind of arcs and guest spots for me is from a fellow canadian actor and that's the cu- couple of episodes that michael j fox does um oh, as yeah, man. Uh, dr kevin casey uh the surgeon who has a uh, very extreme OCD and the way like mm. um, for people who may not know Bill Lawrence's first success before Scrubs was Spin City which was a show that Michael J Fox was the star of throughout the late 90s and um, both of them are really good pals and Lawrence writes this very very interesting role for Fox to be able to kind of bring in the at his experience with, with Parkinson's and actually allow him to kind of address it in his performance and not have to kind of cut corners and curb uh, an approach to a character. Cause I've read a couple of Michael J. Fox's uh, memoirs and he talks about how that experience of being able to play characters like this really kind of helped him see how he could shift his career in this kind of latter half where he is having more extreme um symptoms of parkinson's and again it's like particularly that first episode he's in when uh jd comes to see him at the end of the episode and he can't stop washing his hands is like Mm. like some of the best stuff that michael j fox has ever done hey hey uh give give me a minute will you no kevin i have to talk to you right now Later's cool, too. I'm sorry, I just... I... Look, I spent the last few days meeting new people and trying to get used to this place, and I'm stressed and I'm fried. And I just want to go home. But here's the punchline. Even though my last surgery was two hours ago, I can't stop washing my damn hands. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, this is a weak moment. Nobody's supposed to see this. And uh, mark my words, I'll clean up the soap. Probably several thousand times. Everyone's got their own burden, Sadie. And I'm not going to be one of those people that dumps mine on somebody else. What do you mean? Yeah, you're right, man. That that is one um, that is just so 
personal to an actor and it's yeah this is what i mean about this show is why i always recommend it to people because it's like it has some of these really powerful dramatic moments it's like you said well the show allows a guy who you know famously was experiencing a really horrible illness and they just said well you know here's a few episodes where you can more or less exercise these demons as if mm. you will you know in front of everybody and for him to take it and do such an amazing job with it yeah as his character with ocd and it's like it's it's one of my favorite runs of the whole mm-hmm. show it's it's so powerful um and it's also kind of funny as well because he, yeah. he breezes in and like rough ruffles a few feathers and it's like you know he, he has a lot of great moments but yeah you're right that's definitely one of the most powerful moments in the show and one of the um i think he's canadian <laughs> so i want to mention is tom Kavanagh. is he canadian i think so that i but just, yes yes definitely. i just looked him up yeah definitely mentioned tom cavanagh ontario canada (laughs) (laughs) look at all the canadian talent coming through here (laughs) but yeah he is um he's he plays dan uh jd's brother and he's wonderful he's one of my favorite recurring characters yeah you know that's that's another one of you're talking about you know stupid high fives just saying hey little brother hey little brother (laughs) (laughs) that often gets people's attention Um, yeah very very funny um and again has some nice moments he's like you said like a brendan frazier these other characters that dip in and out Mm -hmm. as the show goes on um Uh, i've got this episode listed actually as one of the ones that i kind of put a little a little list of some of my like key favorite episodes oh please um, do yeah to bring up and uh, just on the case of Mm -hmm. tom cavanagh this was uh because i assumed we'd probably talk about him because he's so good in it um, mm. my favorite episode is that one in season four my cake when um yeah. uh, their dad's died and he mm. comes over and brings a cake to say dad has died as for my family we had our own way of breaking the news hey little brother we did it with cake what happened what a guy can't take three days off work travel 800 miles on a bus with a double layer fudge cake just to say hey how are things dan dad died mm. There's ice cream in the fridge. And like even hearing stories about how that episode shifted because it was originally written as an episode in which JD's dad would come, was going to guest star, who had been played by John Ritter uh, mm. in earlier seasons, but who himself had like suddenly uh, and tragically passed away. Another great comic actor who's very funny oh, in yeah. his brief appearances in this show. And. Yeah, that episode where you know that they having that context of knowing that they had to quickly rewrite this one to kind of address the fact that they're like a guest actor and kind of friend of a lot of the people involved had passed away. And the way that they do, Matt, I really think that in terms of having to scramble to put something together, they did something that was like quite, quite sensitive, and particularly in the way that they depict the two ways that the brothers get accept it because jd kind of goes a bit numb and then dan goes into this complete spiral where he keeps drinking beer in the bathtub (laughs) dan you've been in here for like nine hours you okay well i feel a lot better if you can give that old h knob there a little twist buddy temp is a bit low Uh, now i can feel my tootsie again it's like it's silly but there is like quite like a uh a sad kind of truth to that uh, reaction to a piece of news like that uh, and but also leads to really funny 
lines where <laughs> Dan pops back at the end of the episode and JD just goes, Dan, you're alive. I thought you dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, it's just like mm. a, a key episode of that character as well, who ha- again has like quite a, pr- a, a nice arc across his appearances mm. throughout the whole thing, where he goes from being a bit of a loser, big brother to kind of turning his life around and, JD's reactions to that are often quite interesting, and yeah, and and Kavanaugh and Braff work really well together, and and they've talked about it on the podcast as well, and it, it, it is uncanny how much they look like one another. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing; it's one of those castings where you're like, "Hang on, he he's not his brother, <laughs> <laughs> or at least a cousin or something." You're like, "No, okay." But yeah, it works so well, and it's it's something that uh, a theme of that of grief is is like quite predominant in this show but it handles it so well i mean there's a there's an episode later on i remember in like the eighth season where i think carla's like taking this young intern aside and is kind of like saying look you're on a bit of a funny path and then she launches into this story of like you know oh my parents were this and that and yeah and she goes oh heard it mm-hmm. and it's like this great little runner of how like she's like yeah everybody here has baggage yeah. like everyone's here and it's true like all the characters are written in such a way that like more or less most of them have some issues you know mm-hmm. or, or something they're dealing with but it's being able to set it aside you know and work as a team and help people and it, i think that's a really lovely message that they put across uh, throughout the show me dead mom jd dead dad elliot emotionally abusive parents dr cox emotionally and physically abusive dead parents which he may have killed no one's sure look katie now that you're here it doesn't matter what crap you have in your past. All that matters is that you leave it there. Because this hospital is your home now, and these people are your family. And I can tell you they will love you unconditionally if you let them. Yeah, definitely. And like like we've said, a lot of the more powerful episodes are the ones where they kind of face grief head on and those reactions mm. to grief. And another, I think, another key episode, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and one that often kind of climbs up for me uh, whenever I rewatch it and is up there in a kind of like top top three kind of discussion in terms of episodes is another season eight one um mm. episode two when JD and Turk um decide to cancel steak night to spend the night with the patient who's dying yes. played by Glenn Terman Glenn, Glenn mm. Terman and they just have a very kind of open discussion about fear of death and uh what they kind of expect of that kind of moment in their life and how that as doctors they have a unique relationship to death and it, it's just again a very well performed and honest uh conversation mm. that three very well written characters have with one another and that yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that that one got me as well <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, man, I, I don't know about you but I, I i felt because i know the studio changed and everything well the eighth mm. season i thought it was I kind of thought, well, maybe they'd be done with with that kind of stuff now, mm. you know, because I hadn't. Season seven was pretty light for the most part. Yeah, the right so strike. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so, so when they turn around and, like you said, almost straight out of the gate, hit you with that one, that was a bit of a surprise. But you're right; it's a, it's a fascinating episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I for the most part enjoyed that series anyway. But that one, like yeah, you said in particular, I'm, that I'm was a big like, fan of Whoa. season eight big fan it's one that feels the Mm. closest for me in terms of that particularly the kind of um tone of the first two seasons like even Mm. on a visual level they they seem to be trying to 
heart for that again because it's a it's a little more muted than particularly season six and seven which got quite day glow mm. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely man so what other key episodes have you got this then i'm very curious yeah so what well, the first episode i got um again i think this is probably i pr- would probably say that ben episode's my favorite mm-hmm. um and then this one i think is probably my next favorite and it's a very early one and one for me that kind of really establishes what the show is and in quite that early run it's the fourth episode of season one uh my old lady where um jd turk and elliot all lose a patient on, at the same mm. time and it's about their experiences treating them and kind of forging a connection and then having mm. to be on una- and then being unable to save them at the at the end of the episode and it is that that i'd, I'd say for if anybody wanted to like say what's an episode of scrubs i should watch to know why this show is so um kind of uh beloved and uh mm. as it is i would probably point to that episode to cause, okay because one it's very funny as well um mm. it, it has that complete blend of the silly fantasies that like and the fantasies are always so well done. They, they, they can be huge, kind of look huge in scale, but, and then re- you realise that it probably would have taken so long to shoot this, like, three-second gag <laughs> half the time. Yeah. Um, but then also be able to kind of really come back down to earth and tell stories that are really quite affecting and quite and quite, and quite beautiful as well in the, in the mm. way that, like, um, they really are characters being forced to address big heavy themes and it it, the show delivers them to to you in such a kind of i I, i'm not sure gentle's the right way but it's like it's quite an effort effortless means of um letting Mm. the kind of the tone of it unfold uh, because it is quite a unique tone that this show strikes i don't think many other shows kind of touch upon and I think that episode is like a really great encapsulation of the kind of tone hmm. of this show, I would say. That's, yeah, it's an interesting pick, but I, I think you're right. You, you, you will have to pick an episode like that, at least, like you said, something that balances the drama and the humor. Yeah. Because that is exactly what that show is all about. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And you're, and you're right, it's not always gentle necessarily with it, but yeah. that's life. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but I, I, th- I think that's probably, again, one of the reasons, like we said earlier, why it's been recognized as being so relatable, you know, also realistic in air quotes, mm-hmm. um, according to most experts, because it's like, well, yeah, that's those are the kind of emotional beats and things you have to deal with. I'd imagine being in a hospital, being in that environment. So it's very respectful as well, which is which is the nice thing. But yeah, excellent choices, man. Are, are there any other episodes on your list? I know we've talked a lot about. Yeah, uh, there's there's been a couple here that we've kind of we we've touched upon. Um, yeah, yeah. Largely that kind of uh, my lunch season five is that episode where Doctor Cox uh, loses a free patient after donor. I I'd put that up quite high mm. in a contention. Um, I really like the hundredth episode, which is a whole wizard of oz riff that zap Braff <laughs> directed as well um yeah again it's like it is a good demonstration of the kind of like ambition that this show often has particularly in in the way it, it produces gags and kind of does go for big stylistic swings every now and again um mm. it, it's a good good example of that um and lo- looking else um a- another couple of just 
one's for my, my monster from season two, which is the one that has the needle drop of dreaming of you when JD and Elliot first get back together in season two. Um, oh, after yeah. she's kind of moved out and uh, living in the back of a van and he's going through a bit of a rut and a dark patch and they just kind of have a moment where they they just both kind of go, screw it, we're just going to r- really give mm. in to our, uh, <laughs> our passions and our wills here. And that, it, like, that mm. is one of like, the kind of iconic moments of this will they won't they TV pairing, mm. I think, is that Dreaming of You sequence. Um, and another one I really like is um, the Turk and Carla's wedding at the end of season oh, three. Yeah. Um, one because Ted's band plays a great cover of eight days a week. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I love the like, oh, we haven't played instruments in a while. We might be a bit rusty. And then they just straight into it and it's it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But again, it's just a, a, another nat- another example of the show, like not kind of doing anything that neatly and making everything a bit messy because you've got uh, Turk and Carla's wedding not quite going off the plan and JD's just made Elliot dump Sean to, for him and then he's realised he doesn't want to be with her and he's put her through mm. this kind of horrible emotional uh, roller coaster moment for her, like... I hate yeah. JD in that season, <laughs> but but again, yeah. it's like it, it kind of revels in the messiness that these characters kind of make for themselves. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's true. That's one of those. Like you said, it's he takes a while to mature, JD, doesn't he? Takes yes. a while to suss himself out, and but yeah, that's one of those episodes. I agree. I cringe. I'm just like, oh, why did you do that? <laughs> no, it has a pretty good gag where he meets. Um, Sean in the bar like two days later after he's been broken up and he's like just fully bearded in hair yeah. he's like how have you done that and he's like I'm a quarter Hungarian like, oh. <laughs> that's a two day beard nobody cares Sean that's another one that's another, that's another line gag. I'll throw out every now and again without without there ever being a Sean around I'm not sure I've ever met a Sean to be able to throw out. Nobody cares, Sean. <laughs> yeah, played wonderfully by uh, by Scott Foley. Very, he gets he gets a lot of, of good stuff in that season. Season he does. Three. Yeah, I think he's quite funny. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> particularly that kind of Sea World season where he keeps consoling yeah. with the white whales and that he works with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they said they 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 described on the sh- on the podcast like one of the best. Uh, directions he's ever received which is sean forlornly rides a dolphin yeah <laughs> and, and you better believe that's what's what that is what happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> they put it up there <laughs> absolutely brilliant but i think there's a absolutely solid choices man um do you have a favorite season like yourself oh i mean i i probably say like season season three has a lot going on in it yeah. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of those arcs. Um probably tied with four. I feel like those two are when it's really in its stride and it has mm-hmm. a lot of those very complicated um storylines between some of the characters, but a lot of emotional heft, like you said, and yeah, the stuff with like you said, Brendan Fraser and the wedding and all those things are just amazing. It's one of those shows like you man, I rewatched it last year and I could like all of the sitcoms I'm talking about, and I'm having this every episode I do now. I'm like, oh, I need to go back and watch this show. Yeah. 
so that's going to happen to me a lot, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's fine. It's it's one of these shows that offers endless rewatch value, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got uh, seasons one to eight on DVD. As yeah. I'm, I'm sure many Scrubs fans are aware there is that issue where um, if you ever watch it on TV or on streaming, certain songs won't be in it because of yes. the, uh, licensing rights. But all all the DVDs mm. still have all the original song selections. And for, for a show that really does kind of... Um, specifically pick their songs for really key moments it 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 does feel like a a shame that like if you don't have the physical media then you're not gonna get those really like kind of key moments and particularly like there some songs like uh josh roden's winter i've like will only Mm. ever associate with scrubs there's so many songs like that that are 100 like completely beyond but are a part of this kind of dna of the show yeah, man, and and of course the fun story behind that, um, which I only learned from listening to the the podcast, was that that was his first ever song. Yeah, <laughs> he'd been trying to be a screenwriter and was like kind of yeah living on people's couches for a bit, but then decided to write a couple of songs. And mm. Zach Braff was his mate, and was just like, yeah, this is good, man. <laughs> Let me take yeah. care of Bill. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, and people heard it, and it's such a powerful song for that moment. Yeah, it's really, really good. And then, yeah, obviously, people heard that and went, "Well, where's the rest? Where's the rest? <laughs> you know?" And he's like, <laughs> "So, but now, now he's a musician. Yeah, um, goes on full time, which which is awesome. Goes on goes on tours when he can. <laughs> yeah, this is it. So, absolutely wonderful, man. So, I mean, Andy, I think we've covered an awful lot. But is there anything else you want to talk about with with Scrubs? Um. I think my kind of like last thoughts on it would be mm-hmm. is like um, in that like because I know I'm sure you're going to talk about a lot of the uh, kind of key American sitcoms like particularly the last twenty years and yeah Scrubs for me is the kind of the the cream of the crop of that of a kind of like really really great period of kind of American sitcoms uh, where mm. you do have the likes of Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and uh, Broad City and what have you all coming out within this kind of 20-year period and all being incredible. Mm. But Scrub, there's still nothing quite like Scrubs to me in terms of that um, definitely balanced and uh, very skillful shifting between incredibly wonder- wondrously silly and inventive mm. and kind of... Um, really pushing what they can do with within a 20 minute episode, both in terms of a visual gag and also in terms of character arc. Um, Mm. Yeah. There's not many shows of its kin that I think kind of come close to um, the way it manages to walk that tightrope. I I think it's quite, I I do think it's quite unique out of the, particularly that impressive crop of sitcoms of the last 20 years absolutely man you're right i I agree there's there's nothing else like it i don't think so mm-hmm. yeah of all the shows talked about it's definitely one that feels very very different um but yeah as always i'd encourage anyone to go and check it out absolutely and i agree i agree with you normally i'm i said about the last few shows you know oh, it's on netflix it's on prime this one i would say if you can get hold of the box set particularly if you have a fondness yeah. for it and you remember those needle drops and uh yeah you want to make sure that that kind of memory's intact because I'm, I'm not too sure on what 
kind of some of the substitutes are, but mm. from hearing well, like as they've watched some of them back yeah. on their own podcast through iTunes and they've been like, <gasps> no, <laughs> where's this song gone? <laughs> so I felt the same way because I started watching it on a streaming service um, and that was the same issue that I had, mm. like, I think, a half season in. I was like, oh, this is doing my head in. Like, all these <laughs> cool moments have got... So I just went out to like HMV, found the box set. I was like, yep. Much better viewing experience. So yeah, highly yeah. encourage. Definitely. Um so Andy, I mean, thanks for coming back on, man. I just I guess all that's really left to say is uh where can the good people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AndyGodian93, and you can also find uh my podcast, Ramblin' and Amblin podcast that Harley uh himself has been a guest on in the past. <laughs> For our Back to the true. Future episode, keeping the Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox link alive, you can find that you can find that show wherever you listen to your podcasts, and uh, you can also give us a follow on Twitter at Ramblin Amblin over there as well. We'd love to love to hear from anyone listening. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Absolutely, I highly recommend people do that. It's a ton of fun, like you said. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about Back to the Future because it's one of the greatest films ever made. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff you guys are covering, and there's a huge variety. If anyone yeah. goes and looks up the uh, the Amblin sort of back catalogue, so to speak, it is nuts mm-hmm. how much stuff is on there. So you guys have got a lot of really interesting stuff ahead of you, and I look, I look forward to hearing it. But of course, I'll link all of that in for you, man. Thank you, buddy. Much appreciated. No it's been a, it's well, been a joy to come back to this. I, like, like I said, I, I love the format for this show, and I, I'll you. happily talk about anything I love <laughs> with you. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers, man. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> and there we have it. Thank you so much to Andrew for coming on to the show and talking to me about Scrubs. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. You can go and find Andrew in all of the links I've put in the show notes. You've got his website, you've got his social media, and of course you have Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcast. I cannot recommend that show highly enough, and I'm not just saying that because they were kind enough to have me on an episode. It really is a great show with a great premise. Again, links are in the show notes. Go and check it out. A huge thank you as always to Alex Jenkins for designing the artwork. If you like what you see, definitely hit him up. I've put all of the links in the show notes for you. You can reach out to him, commission your own artwork with him. I can guarantee you will not be disappointed. If you are enjoying the show, then definitely let me know. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me on the links that I've put in the show notes. You've got my social media. You've got my email. It's always nice to hear back from people what they think of the show. Any positive reviews you leave, especially a five-star, will of course earn you a shout-out on the show as well. And I should mention that guest spots are still open for the show. It's pretty much open-ended. At the moment, I have, I believe, three left for the sitcom summer series that I'm doing right now. So if you want to jump on board with that, make sure you do so as soon as possible because those slots will fill up. But of course, afterwards, I'll be back to my usual routine of exploring all kinds of topics through conversations that I have with guests. So if you're sat there listening and you're thinking, I've got a topic that could be really interesting, I've got something I'm super passionate about, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My, uh, my DMs are open, as they say. You've got my email address. I'm welcome to all sorts of ideas. Just reach out. And who knows, you could become a guest on this show. That's it from me. I'll be back again in a week's time with another sitcom and I'll leave a little clip in here as a clue, as is now my tradition. So until then, stay tuned and stay safe.
We have no midsize available at the moment. I don't understand. I made a reservation. Do you have my reservation? Oh, yes, we do. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservations. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. <laughs> if you did, I'd have a car. So you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. 